Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. All right. Are we good? Okay. Anyway, so how many put your flags out today? All right. Got, got to remember to do that. Amen. Fly, fly the stars and stripes. Amen, amen. But we are, uh, we're thankful to be here today. And how many of you were here Wednesday night? We had, uh, we heard from the CLC, Christian Life College Group. And uh, he did preach to us, didn't he? Yes, he did. Amen. Praise God. All right. We are going to call your attention this morning to the book of Joshua, chapter number 17. And we also want to thank you for a great uh, over-the-top offering Wednesday night. I don't think uh, anybody would be offended if I told you that uh, we were able to bless that little group with $1,300. So, thank you. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter number 17 and... uh, Brother Ryan, if I could get those track lights turned down, I would appreciate that. Starting with verse number 14, and we'll go through verse number 18. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit? They're in the promised land. They are dividing out the land. They are giving the different 12 tribes, their portion. And the children of Joseph said, why do we only have one lot and one share to inherit since we are a great people and as much as the Lord has blessed us until now? So Joshua answered them, well, if you are a great people, then go up to the forest country, clear a place for yourself, They're in the land of the Perizzites and the giants. Since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. In other words, he said, well, you think you don't got enough? Then there you go. But the children of Joseph said, well, the mountain country is not even enough for us. And all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley, they got chariots of iron both those who are of Beth Sheon and its towns and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people. You have great power. You shall not have only one lot. But the mountain country shall be yours, although it is wooded, You shall cut it down, and its farthest extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. Amen. And I'd like to speak to you this morning on this thought. You are a great people. 
Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you would, if you would lift your heart to the Lord here for just a moment and uh, hope and pray that all of our minds are here for single purpose. Amen. This morning that we want to feel the presence of God that we already have. And I, for one, as you well know, if you've ever preached in your life, you're mostly preaching to yourself. But uh, amen, if you would, just lift your heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this assembly. And we know, Lord, it's not just by our own choice, but it also, God, is connected with your divine appointment that we're here today. Lord, we pray that you would touch our hearts, amen, and help us, Lord, amen, to be more prepared and more watchful than ever in the day that we live, and we'll give you glory and honor in Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I, for one, I'm sure like your own self, I, I'm proud to fly that American and I believe in the American dream, which I think in part at least we find in that, that very powerful document called the Declaration of Independence. We're not going to read it all, but part of the American dream is based on this. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But as Benjamin Franklin said, the elder of those men that signed that declaration, he said, the Constitution only guarantees you the right to pursue happiness. You have to catch it yourself. Those men would go on and they would, they would finish that document and they would uh, finish it with words like this. And they said, and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the divine providence. Now, I think they had something in mind there when they spoke of divine providence, don't you? They said, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred lives. They signed their names accordingly, the most notable signature coming from John Hancock, who was asked later, why so bold, John? His answer was at least what most people record. He says, the answer being that he wanted the king of England to be able to read his signature without glasses. Thirteen colonies. A few short years later in 1803, Thomas Jefferson would spend $15 million to acquire the Louisiana Purchase. This would double the size of America. This would Double it. Later, there would be other acquisitions made that would make up our current United States as she celebrates 245 years and counting. JFK. How many were, how many remember where you were November 22nd, 1963? 
Oh, I can tell you exactly where I was. JFK said this. He said, this was even a Democratic president, folks, so hang on to your hat. Here's what he says about how, he, how strongly he believed in what our country is based on. He said, let every nation know whether it wishes us well or ill that we will pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and success of liberty. A man in office of a different country said this, Tony Blair. He says, you can define a country's greatness in simple terms. He said a simple way to take measure of a country is to look at how many want in and how many want out. Another president of ours gave us a warning. He said this. He said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. I'm not an American citizen because of anything more or less that I was privileged to have other than I was born here and I choose to stay here. You and I are recipients of the privilege of American citizenship. I didn't fight in the Revolutionary War. I wasn't one of the founders, nor were you. We are a blessed people here today because of something really that we merely inherited, but by choice, we choose to live here. Our story, they're distributing the promised land between the 12 tribes. They come to the children of Joseph. The children of Joseph speak to Joshua. We read that to you. And I think as we read their words, we catch a glimpse of their spiritual attitude. See, who, who were they, Ephraim and Manasseh? Listen carefully. They were the sons of Joseph. They were born in Egypt, but were adopted by their grandfather, grandfather Jacob as his own sons. It would appear that from the beginning, Jacob desired to give Joseph that double portion of inheritance, even though he was not the firstborn. The coat of many colors was a dead giveaway. Maybe they were favored by Jacob because he had been deceived into believing Joseph was dead for 12 years, and it was simply too good to be true as him and his favorite son were once again reunited in Egypt. By Jacob adopting them as his own, they had gotten used to the blessings of God flowing into their lives. They were used to being the favorites. 
Now the blessings of God had put them into a precarious situation. They had reached a point where their inheritance was not enough. God had blessed them in number. They knew that they were a great people because of the blessings of God. One translation reads, We are a numerous people because the Lord has blessed us abundantly. Don't forget, Ephraim and Manasseh, that you are standing in the promised land today through no merit of your own. You are who you are and where you are simply because of your connection to Israel, Jacob. You are where you are simply because your grandfather Jacob was a God-seeker whose life was transformed by the God he sought, and God changed his name to Israel, which, depending on the dictionary you use, can mean fighter of God, triumphant with God, or we can take simply the Bible's definition according to King James in Genesis 32, 28. And he, the angel, said, Your name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. The New King James Version says, For you have struggled with God, you have struggled with your brother, and you have prevailed. And your grandfather Israel adopted you while you were still in in Egypt. Are you with me? Let me read to you Genesis 48. 3 through 5, and verse and chapter 47 and 28. I'm going to read through it quickly. Israel dwelled in the land of Egypt for 17 years, so the whole age of Jacob was 147. Israel pronouncing God's blessing upon his 12 sons. He calls in Joseph. He says, And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, are mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. And Israel said unto Joseph, Before I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took out of the hand of the Amorites with my own sword, with my own bow. So Ephraim and Manasseh, you are standing in the promised land, not through any merit of your own. Your grandfather adopted you while you were still in Egypt. 
So Joshua says, if you be a great people, if God has blessed you so much, then go up to the wood country, clear the land. But what about the giants? The giants go with the land. But the hill country's not big enough. And the Canaanites dwell in the valley. And they got chariots of iron. But you understand, Ephraim and Manasseh, you have been brought into the promised land merely because that you were adopted. You were brought in the promised land through no merit of your own. It was Jacob that struggled all of his life until he got into that dynamic prayer meeting that changed his life, and God changed him. You were adopted. You were adopted while you were still in Egypt. No merit of your own. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Can I tell you here this morning, I am not here through any merit of my own I was adopted while I was still in Egypt. It wasn't anything that I did. It was merely the blessing of God that came into my life that has brought me to the place that I am. And you did nothing really to inherit this except that God looked for you. He found you while you were still in Egypt and He adopted you while you were still in Egypt. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father, wherefore you are no more a servant but a son And if a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ. Jesus in John 10.10 tells us, not only did He come to give us life, but He gave us the abundant life. Can I get a witness this morning that We are a blessed people because we have been adopted into the family of God. We have received the gospel, the spirit of Jesus Christ. I am an heir of the riches of God this morning because he reached in and he pulled me out of Egypt. He pulled me out of Egypt not 
because of my, uh, my prayers, Brother Clemson. It was because of your grandmother's prayers. It was because of the prayers of Bessie Clemson that drew that prodigal son back to the house of God and came knocking on my door. I am here not because of my own merit. You're not here. You are not even an American citizen because of anything that you've done. You are a recipient. We are living the abundant life. Jesus said, out of his belly shall flow the rivers of water. This spake he of the Spirit. But be careful But the church today must be watchful in the area of complacency. Let's look at our story again. They said, I am a great people. Yes, you are a great people. Why? Because we are descendants of Abraham by faith. Through water baptism, we have circumcised our hearts and not our flesh. As descendants of Abraham, as a people, we are truly counted not anymore by the hundreds or thousands. But when God blessed Abraham, he said, Son, I want you to look up into the stars. I want you to count the sand on the seashore because one of these days I'm going to bless your descendants so greatly that you will not be able to put a number on them. They will be a great people. They don't count us anymore by the hundreds of thousands, but they count us by the tens of millions. But you know what? You are even a greater people than those who are direct descendants of Abraham. How? Because we have been adopted into the family of Jesus Christ. You understand, I'm not anymore just a descendant of Abraham, but when I went down into the water and when I was baptized in His name and when I received the Holy Ghost, He adopted me. The Lord God Almighty reached down and He said, you're mine. Whereby the writer says, we cry, Abba, Father. And yes, we are a powerful people because we have been baptized with power. It's not in the numbers. It's in the power. It's in your individual, your individual walk with God. It's about how that God operates and you allow Him to operate through you. It's about how you burn. You see, once we accept the American dream, once we become an American citizen, they can never take that citizenship away from you. Try it. Sure, they, Putin can come over. 
take over the country. But you see, it's not the piece of paper. It's the values. It's the liberty. It's the freedom. That as an American citizen, you can't take that away from me. I'll always be an American. The only thing you can do is you could renounce your citizenship. Nobody has the power to take it from you. Once you were born into the family of God, you were born into, you were adopted and born into the kingdom of God. No one can ever remove your name from the book of life. No one can ever take it away. Only ways to renounce your spiritual citizenship We have to be careful because, you see, Manasseh and Ephraim, they had got to the point in their life where they were there and they thought that they, everything was, they were entitled. They thought, they had the attitude, well, I'm an American, y'all got to take care of me, I'm entitled to the inheritance of my granddaddy. I don't got to fight no more. I don't got to climb mountains no more. I don't have to kill giants no more. I don't have to walk through the valley of shadow of death anymore. I'm entitled to the blessings that came per via my dada and my granddad. Anybody home? I know there's no comparison to where we're at in this day, but it makes a good point anyway. You're not entitled to anything. The only thing that comes your way is opportunity. That's all. Opportunity to pursue, to pursue the American dream. Opportunity to pursue God. You're not entitled. But you are given the opportunity to pursue your Heavenly Father with everything that you can muster inside of you. You are a great people by virtue of your relationship with Israel. America, hello. <laughs> we are blessed because we are one of those that stand under that umbrella of blessing because of our connection to Father Abraham and that man called Israel and that nation of Israel. We still believe the book that says that, that I will bless every nation that blesses you and you will have a problem when you go against my people. I want you to know the same thing goes for the church this morning. They are not going to come against God's espoused bride without a fight.
You are even a greater people because you have been adopted into the family of God. And you are even a greater people because you have been baptized with the Holy Ghost fire and with power. You have the spirit of our Father. The power to be a witness. Luke spoke to us. Luke 10, 19 says, After that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You shall receive power. He's, I'm sorry, that was Luke 24, I think it was. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and tread on the scorpions. And I'm going to give you power, Jesus said. I'm going to give you enough power over all the power of the enemy and nothing, Ephraim, nothing, Manasseh, shall ever hurt you, shall ever prevent you from claiming the promises that God has set before you. He has given you by virtue of the adoption Power. He goes on, Jesus goes on, he says, notwithstanding in this, don't, don't get all, you know, hippity hoppity. He says, rather, don't, you know, don't rejoice because you walk up to a devil or something you think's a devil and you cast it out. He says, that's no big deal. He says, you need to rejoice because your names are written in heaven. He says, you need to rejoice because you need to get a hold of this thing because you are not of this world. You are in the world. You are not of the world. Sister Reyes, thank you for the lesson this morning. I am pursuing a higher dream. It's called heaven. We're here to take the promises of God. We are here, listen to me, the, the day for complacency is no longer valid. You need to find your first love one more time. You need to find that first love. You need to find that baptism that first caused you to become one of his sons and made you feel like that you could take on the world. If that's missing in your life, then you need to get re-baptized in the Holy Ghost. We are here to take the promises of God we are still mountaineers. We still conquer mountains. There's no mountain high enough to prevent me from doing what God has called me to do. There is no giant big enough to prevent me from claiming the promises of God. There is no valley that is deep enough to take away my victory.
We are overcomers. You read that book of Revelation to every church. Every church, they had two things in common. He said, you need to repent. And he said, you need to be an overcomer. Alexander the Great become king at 20. By the age of 30, he had conquered the world. Story goes, he sat down and cried because there was nothing left to conquer. He died at 33. Before Alexander's father, Philip, died, he spoke these words to his son, Alexander. He says, Oh, my son, look thee out a kingdom equal to and worthy of thyself, for Macedonia is too small for you. You see, his dad had given him Macedonia, which was at the time one of the greatest countries in the world. But he looked at his son, he said, son, he says, this is too small for you. He says, I'm going to give you my inheritance. But what you get, it's going to be way too small. He says, you need to get a vision and you need to find a kingdom that is equal to and worthy of yourself. And he conquered the world as the Lord. What happened to Alexander after? Supposedly conquered the world. He lost his drive. He lost his ambition. He lost his conquering spirit. What is there left? He became depressed. He became complacent and died. I offer this question. Is this part of what has happened to America once there was no more land acquisition? Did we begin to become complacent, no more growth? We began to channel our energy into the area of invention and education. We continued to grow numerically, but not internally. We forgot that our focus was on how and why we became a great nation. We began to forsake the blessing of God and progress to a nation of entitlement. That's what happens, see, when the church, which is you and I, you are a great people. But our, our challenge in today's world is that if we're not careful, we settle for the mediocrity. We settle for the environment of an entitlement theology. We're okay with that. No, you can't be okay with that if you're in the church. You do understand that. There is no complacency in the church. 
That is the ultimate insult to a God that baptized you with fire and the Holy Ghost and washed your sins away and adopted you into the family of God. That is the ultimate insult. He said you need to be hot or you need to be cold because if you're lukewarm, I will absolutely, you make me sick. That's what happens if there are no more spiritual mountains to summit, if there are no more spiritual giants to overcome, and if, God, for, God forbid, but even when we, when we have to go through those spiritual valleys to walk through, it's called growth. It is called the abundant life. It is called the blessed life. I read a book recently, and I'll give you a quote talking about the right attitude that, you know, that meant that spiritual mentality of that, okay, God, bless me. Come on. Come on, bless me, Lord, bless me. I'm entitled to a blessing. Bring it, come on, bring it on, rain on me, come on. The author says a scarcity mentality operates out of fear rather than faith. And it nets greed rather than gratitude. It's playing not to lose, which is why it's satisfied with breaking even. In other words, God, just get me to heaven. You know, just, yeah. Sound, sound. When I was a kid, you had to learn how to do that before you graduate from elementary. But we're okay, you know, we're, we're okay just waiting. We're watching and things unfurl and watching God's tapestry come together. And, and, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, I'm entitled to the rapture, so I'm okay. No, 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 no. Okay? You're going to make the rapture if you've been born again. Don't get me wrong. If you have been covered by the blood of the Lamb, and if you are filled with the Holy Ghost, and if you are living a life of repentance, you should not even have to be concerned about making the rapture. But if you are not living a life of repentance, you better check up on yourself. But that's not why God put us into the world. That's not why you are alive here today. He's saying, hey, there's another soul out there that is on top of that mountain and you need to get to it. There's another soul. They, they're, you know the reason why that they did not want to go into the valleys and take on those uh, the Canaanites with chariots of iron, with iron wheels, chariots of iron? You know why? Because iron was the high-tech technology of the day. That was the high-tech stuff. 
it was like Joshua was, was asking Manasseh and Ephraim to attack a battalion of tanks or whatever you call them with infantry. But Joshua said, hey, man, he says, you've got to understand. He says, it's already yours, okay? God is going to give you. God already gave you the property, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to make the climb. That doesn't mean that you don't have to go out there and fight the enemy giant that you think is so huge. That doesn't mean that you are not going to, at times, descend into that valley of this high-tech energy force that you don't have any way of hoping to cope with it. Oh, you do. You have the promise and the power of your heavenly Father that adopted you. Adoption doesn't you know, there it's several meanings in there, really, but adoption at least is in part that if you adopt somebody, guess what? You pick them out as you stand with us. I am here today, a little bit of my own effort, okay, but for the most part, for the Jeff, you're not, you're not, you are not where you are today because of your own merit. You are a product of somebody else that prayed that prayer of faith, that had that compassion for a lost soul that, that by God design brought you into a place where you were touched by a message of the preacher and you gave your heart to God and then you by faith you reached out and you begin to follow the plan and God has blessed you, each one of you, so abundantly. And if you're not careful, you think that it's just going to be an automatic thing. It's not. Paul said you've got to present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And I know you think the same way. When, when, I, was, when I was in the workforce, right, I gave I gave them a hundred percent, Kathleen and I. We gave those folks a hundred percent. And they were pretty much dumbfounded. They, well, man, these guys are, we like these, get people like this, you know. These guys are good for the company business. But, oh, my. 
if I ever give more to the world than I give to God, I'm missing the mark. If I can't give him a more excellent sacrifice, if I don't reserve just a little bit more for him, Brother Block, then I'm missing the whole thing here because I realize that, that I'm not here. I'm not here because of anything of my own. You and I are here because of the blessing of God and the connection that we have through ultimately that man called Israel and that nation called Israel. But for that struggle that Jacob went through, not sure we would be here today. He said, you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. That's what I want to be. I want to be a prevailer today. I want to be a conqueror today. I want to be a, I want to continue to want that, to have at least the desire to climb that mountain. I want to take on whatever giant, whatever chariot of iron that comes my way. I want, to, I, I want to, to let God know that I'm willing to stand in the pathway and get run over, but you're going to have to take things into consideration. And if I have to go through the valley, if that's what it takes, so be it. Because that is the way that we conquer. That is the way we reach out and we get a hold of the promises of God. We're going to ask you, if you would, just to lift your heart, close your eyes, lift your heart to the Lord. and We're going to call you to the front here this morning. Fourth of July, folks. I wonder if we could have a... I wonder, I wonder if we could say, God, relight that fire inside of me, Lord. Rekindle that fire, God. Let, let, there, let, there, let there be a Holy Ghost explosion inside of me today that will turn my world and the world around me upside down. Young people, we're counting on you. We're counting on you to take this thing, man, and turn this thing into something that the world is going to be dumbfounded. You are a great people. You are. You're a great people. But you are a great people by virtue of the gospel, the good news, and the blessing of God and your distinct privilege to live in a country that offers you the same freedoms. Because it would not be the same, folks, if you lived in Iraq or if you lived in China or if you lived in North Korea. You wouldn't have the same opportunity that is knocking on your door today. No, sir, you are privileged 
And you are blessed beyond measure. Would you come this morning if you need special prayer, if you need a miracle in your life? Amen. We're going to pray with you and for you that God would meet that need. But I wonder mostly today, July 4th, 2021, I wonder if we could allow God Say, God, I want this to be a day that you are going to bless me, yes, but that you are going to ignite something inside of me that I know is there, but I need you to light it for me, Lord. You will do that for me. You lift your hearts, that's it. Let's lift our hearts to him. Let's seek him here for a few minutes. That's it. Come on. Let's lift him up. Lift him up. Let's lift him up. Lift him up. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, we praise you.
ask for your blessing and mercy on our hallelujah our assembly lord we ask you to just breathe with all of us here today god as we walk into the field lord of harvest and let us gather in lord those who are hungry and those who are thirsty let us spread your truth god let us climb the mountains of the battles that are in our life lord let us win with a powerful victory god we love and adore you today be with us oh lord in our individual space thank you for your mercy your holy name god